From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. I will never leave thee. No promise is of private interpretation. Whatever God has said to any one saint, he has said to all. When he opens a well for one... It is that all may drink. When he opens a granary door to give out food, there may be some one starving man who is the occasion of its being opened, but all hungry saints may come and feed too. Whether he gave the word to Abraham or to Moses matters not, O believer. He has given it to thee as one of the covenanted seed. There is not a high blessing too lofty for thee, nor a wide mercy too extensive for thee. Lift up now thine eyes to the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, for all is thine. Climb to Pisgah's top and view the utmost limit of the divine promise, for the land is all thine own. There is not a brook of living water of which thou mayest not drink. If the land floweth with milk and honey, eat the honey and drink the milk, for both are thine. Be thou bold to believe, for he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. In this promise, God gives to his people everything. I will never leave thee. Then no attribute of God can cease to be engaged for us. Is he mighty? He will show himself strong in the behalf of them that trust him. Is he love? Then with loving kindness will he have mercy upon us. Whatever attributes may compose the character of deity... Every one of them, to its fullest extent, shall be engaged on our side. To put everything in one, there is nothing you can want, there is nothing you can ask for, there is nothing you can need in time or in eternity, there is nothing living, nothing dying, there is nothing in this world, nothing in the next world, there is nothing now, nothing at the resurrection morning, nothing in heaven which is not contained in this text. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee.
18th chapter of Luke's Gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ presented a parable to the end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. If ever there was a time when believers in the Lord Jesus Christ needed to pray, surely it is now. The moral condition of our land, the apparent powerlessness of our churches, cry out for God's people to seek the Lord earnestly for revival. To encourage true Christians in the urgent need to pray, Let the Bible Speak is pleased to offer, free of charge, copies of a powerful message by Jonathan Edwards, one of the greatest Christian leaders and thinkers this country has ever produced. The title is typical of Edwards' time, a humble attempt to promote explicit agreement and visible union of God's people in extraordinary prayer for the revival of religion and advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth. Don't let the title put you off. This is a message for this hour. In a 20-page booklet form, Edward's sermon calls upon believers to unite in earnest prayer for God to come in reviving power upon His church. The great revivals of history have always come as the result of fervent prayer, sometimes on the part of just a few Christians who were burdened to seek God for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in revival power. 
That power is still available for those who will seriously seek it. To obtain your free copy of this message, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you wish, you may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may write to Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615, and ask for Edwards on Prayer. The address again is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Ask for the message Edwards on Prayer, and we'll be happy to send you a free copy. As Dr. Cairns continues this series of studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ, he commences a message entitled, A Glimpse of the Glory of Christ. The text is Luke chapter 8, verses 28 through 36, the record of Christ's transfiguration on the mount. First of all, Dr. Cairns disposes of the various attempts that have been made to explain the details of what happened there. It was a miraculous event and by definition, miracles cannot be explained. Perhaps the first lesson we learn from the passage is that only a few of the Lord's disciples were permitted to see His glory on that occasion. Such a sight is reserved for those who seek to be in intimate communion and fellowship with Christ. Oh, that we would be willing to pay the price of such closeness to Jesus, something that comes about only through heartfelt prayer and devotion to Him. Now Dr. Cairns brings the first portion of this message, a glimpse of the glory of Christ. We're reading this morning in the Gospel of Luke as we continue the studies in the life of Christ. Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, reading from verse 28 to the end of verse 36. And it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter And they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, as they departed from him, 
Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. Amen. The Lord will add his own blessing to the reading of this familiar passage from his own precious word for his name's sake. The record of the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ has been termed mysterious by many writers. Not only mysterious, but according to many, it is difficult, some would even say impossible, to understand a reason for its ever having happened. I must say that when you read a passage like this, you must confess that anything as majestic as this, anything so heavenly and full of the essential glory of God, is bound, it's bound to be mysterious in the best and highest sense of the word. You can never explain a miracle. If you come to this passage trying to understand what the Lord did or how he did it, then you're never going to get any further. You'll never explain the miracle. But having said that, having read also the comments of learned men on the passage, I must confess that I don't think the mystery extends as far as they would want us to believe. So rather than perplexing our brains about uh, the mystery of how the miracle happened, I think we're far better off concentrating on the majesty of Christ that is here revealed. For that's what made the lasting impression on the people who were with him. You remember that many, many years later, the Apostle Peter looked back on this day. It has been well said by Campbell Morgan that the events of this day made such an impression upon the Apostle Peter that the glory of Christ here revealed it casts itself over both Peter's epistles. And if you read the epistles of Peter, try and read them in the light of this passage, and you'll see that Campbell Morgan was certainly not far from the truth. But in his second epistle, the apostle said in chapter 1, We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased." So as an old man ready to die a martyr's death, Peter 
was still living with the memory, the vivid memory. I would go even further and say he was living in the continued experience of the majesty and the glory of that day. So if we concentrate on that theme of the majesty of Christ that's here revealed, if we concentrate on the glory, we're going to be getting to the very heart of the whole message and meaning of this passage. And I think, therefore, that we can do nothing better than pray as I've already done what Moses prayed, Lord, show me thy glory. We want today to ascend that mount and catch a glimpse of the glory of Christ. I was tempted to title this message, On Top of the World with Jesus, except that uh, that would be a devotional study about the disciples more than a biographical study about Christ, and that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I say on top of the world with him because the mount here was probably Mount Hermon. Now, if you ever visit the Holy Land, the tour operators will bring you to Mount Tabor and say, that's the mount. That uh, was the mount settled upon by Helena many, many centuries ago as the site of the Transfiguration. It's most unlikely, if you just look at a map of Israel and see that the events immediately prior to this took place at Caesarea Philippi, it would be rather difficult to see why there was this long journey away to Tabor and then back north again. So, I don't think it was Tabor. Furthermore, we are told in one of the accounts in the Gospels that they went up into the mount. Now, to anybody in that area, the mount never spoke of Tabor. It always spoke of Mount Hermon. To this day, Mount Hermon is the glory, the crowning glory of uh, what some now call Palestine, what in those early days would have been, of course, called Canaan. The crowning glory of the Lamb. Its peak rises about 9,000 feet above sea level. If you're standing in the Jordan Valley, it is actually towering 11,000 feet above you. So that if you were on top of Mount Hermon, you would quite literally be on top of the world, at least as far as anybody in that area would be concerned. What a place to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would certainly recommend you to give it some devotional study as you look at the passage. Think of what it is to be on top of the world with Christ. It's obvious that very few of the disciples ever got there. Most of the rest were left in the valley. I think that's a very sad statement. It's a very sad commentary on the spiritual existence of many of God's people. Oh, they're, they're disciples indeed. But they do not progress in intimacy with Christ ever to get beyond the valley, trudging always in the valley. Now in him, in the valley they serve him, as you find in the surrounding passages here. In the valley they serve him. In the valley they are faithful to him. But nonetheless, there are times 
when it is possible to get out from the depths of the valley experience, the valley, whether it's a valley of suffering and oppression and affliction or opposition or whatever, to get into the mountaintop with the Lord Jesus Christ, to leave for at least a while the cares and the crushings of the valley behind. To get into that place is, of course, to get into the mountain of prayer. It's not for nothing that we are told he went into the mountain to pray. When Isaiah commands us to get into the mount with God, it means into that place of higher communion, higher fellowship, more intense seeking after God. It is a setting aside of the things of time and sense, the things that otherwise engage our attention so that we may give ourselves to prayer, to the seeking after our God. It's not an easy place to reach. That's why it's called a mountain. And uh, it doesn't take me to tell you that a climb of 11,000 feet, even for a fit man, is not a stroll in the park. You see Mount Hermon towering to this day. You would see that uh, this is not something that's easily accomplished. It was a long journey, an arduous trek, but it was worth it to get alone with Christ. It's never easy to get alone with Christ. It's never easy to ascend to the Mount of Prayer. There's a thousand reasons why you've got to stay behind in the valley. There are many things there to engage your attention. But oh, to get there is well worth the effort. For it's there, alone with him, you see his glory. You'll never see the glory of Christ amidst the tinsel and the glitter of the world. Haven't you often heard when there's been going to be some spectacular show in the heavens that the astronomers will tell you if you want to see this get away out from the city leave the lights of man's devising behind you get out into the open country where you can see the glory of the heavens in all their purity without the false light of man's devising dimming your view. I want to tell you that's even more true concerning Christ than any planetary phenomenon. To see Christ get away from the glitter and the so-called glamour of the world to get alone with him, you'll see his glory. You'll not see it amid the mad pursuits of time. There's still a place. There is a place of quiet rest. It's near to the heart of God. We get so busy. These things are very important. We need more money, so we need more hours 
to do more work, to buy more things, to need even more money, requiring even more hours, requiring even more work. Before we know it, the time of secret fellowship with Christ has gone. You never see the Lord's glory living like that. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak.